health information from experts, supported by research. From University of Utah Health, this is thescoperadio.com. Alzheimer's 101. What is it? What's happening in the brain? What are some of the symptoms? What can be done? And what's on the horizon for potential cures? We're with Dr. Norman Foster, director of the Center for Alzheimer Care, Imaging and Research at the University of Utah. First of all, let's talk about what is Alzheimer's? What are the characteristics of Alzheimer's and what's actually happening in the brain? I found that kind of interesting. Alzheimer's disease is a progressive disease of the brain that causes loss of nerve cells. And as a result, patients uh, first develop difficulty with memory, but then increasingly over time have difficulty with other areas of thinking, and then eventually difficulty with daily activities so that they become dependent upon others. When you say nerve cells, is it brain cells? These are brain cells, yes. These are brain cells. And what exactly is happening in the brain? I've heard it described as plaque of the brain. Is that accurate or not? Well, Alzheimer's disease is caused by an abnormal accumulation of two proteins that normally occur in the brain, but in this disease, abnormally aggregate into plaques, and into tangles. And we now understand a lot of the basic biology of these uncontrolled protein accumulations, but we don't understand what sets this process off. So these proteins start accumulating in the brain. Do they actually adhere to brain cells? Not directly. They adhere to each other. So they begin with small fragments of protein, and then they aggregate into clumps and then eventually form these plaques. Or, in the case of the tau protein, which make the neurofibrillary tangles, then they uh, have these fibrils actually have kind of a spun or twisting appearance and interfere with normal nerve function. So it's kind of gumming up the works. That's right. This uh, is a disease that, as far as we know, is just involves the brain. So you spoke earlier about the symptoms. What are some things that if uh, I'm a relative of somebody that I believe might be getting Alzheimer's, I'd want to be looking out for? Well, the characteristic feature is that late in life, on average, in the mid-70s, people begin to have difficulty with memory. Uh, And of course, we all have uh, memory (laughs) complaints, and our memories are not perfect. We don't work like computers. But in these cases, that interferes with... uh, person's ability to do daily activities that they've been used to carrying out independently. So, for example, perhaps uh, they forget where they are when when they're driving someplace they've driven to numerous times? Uh, That's possible. This is why medical attention and medical advice is so important, because uh, there's some things that are obvious, but uh, we think it's very important to pick these up when things are not so obvious. And So there may need to be medical judgment. Uh, One of the examples that uh, I would use, having trouble remembering exactly where I uh, parked in a large shopping mall, that's normal. Uh, But after four or five hours not being able to figure out either where it is or how to get help, that's abnormal. Or how to get help. That's an interesting addition as well. When speaking of Alzheimer's, what can be done if... You know, you go and you talk to a physician to help you find some of those non-subtle things. Your family member has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. What then? Well, I think the important first step is to really know what is going on. It's uh, quite a step. In fact, there's quite a bit of effort to evaluate what the cause of memory problems 
and cognitive problems are. It could be something other than Alzheimer's. could be something other than Alzheimer's. It could be Alzheimer's with something else. Uh, For example, sleeping medications are common. Even some uh, over-the-counter sleeping medications can make Alzheimer's disease significantly worse or can cause symptoms that mimic Alzheimer's disease. So first, making sure you know what you're dealing with is important. And then that, of course, will lead to what should be done about it. Okay. So there are many things that can be done about Alzheimer's disease. We're medications that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration that we know have benefits. Unfortunately, they're only modest right now, so we're looking for much more effective drug treatments. Does that slow down the onset of Alzheimer's? Does it get some memory back? What do these drugs do? Well, the medications that have currently been approved by the FDA compensate for chemical losses that occur in the brain typically in Alzheimer's disease. So many of them are very specific for Alzheimer's disease and don't affect or improve all kinds of memory and thinking problems. But this is actually kind of the chemical byproducts of the plaques and tangles rather than getting at the plaques and tangles themselves. And what do those chemical byproducts do? Our nerves, nerve brain cells, talk to each other uh, by what are called synapses. And so there's a chemical that's released at the end of one nerve that is then picked up by another nerve. And so when the nerves are sick, they have difficulty synthesizing, uh, creating this chemical message system. And that's what these drugs do is try to compensate for that, restore some of the chemical changes that are lost in Alzheimer's. What else can be done? So you've got some medications. What are Um, some other options? Right. So right now, um, one of the important things to do is help the patient. The patient needs to have help uh, with day-to-day activities or doing things. For example, if it's only memory problems, then one of the things you need to do is write down things so that you can read and see what you remember. Uh, We can no longer do or depend upon some things that we took for granted before. So, for example, you're in the doctor's office. The doctor says, come back and see me in two weeks. They give you a date. And then after the doctor leaves the office, if they haven't written it down, you don't remember that day. Yeah. Now, maybe that could happen with any of us, and it's always a good idea to write those things down (laughs) or to keep a calendar. But if you know that you have Alzheimer's disease or a memory problem, that's something you really have to pay a lot of attention to. But there are other things that are very predictable, complications, I call them, of Alzheimer's disease that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. For example, people who have memory problems get embarrassed by this. And so we often see that patients and often other family members become socially isolated. That's exactly opposite of what people with this disease need. They need to be interacting with others, have a good quality of life. And not leaving your house, and sometimes the wife or husband not leaving the house also, that's bad. Another example is social activities. You may be embarrassed because of memory problems and withdraw from your friends at the very time that they're most important to you. Uh, Then also there can be problems with family. If family don't understand what's going on, they may misunderstand and therefore uh, act on assumptions that they make that are in error, particularly if they haven't sought medical advice to understand what's going on. 
So one daughter might think, well, he's just trying to get back at me. That's why he's not doing things. Or I think this per- I think he's just depressed, so we should just try to make him happy. Or uh, that this is related to medications. I mean, there are all sorts of possible explanations, but if family members are pulled apart by disagreements and conflicts, not having uh, uh, being on the same page about how to support their loved one, then we often see disasters, complications, uh, not just socially, but within families uh, because of this disease. It appears as though the Alzheimer's affects the brain. Does it affect you otherwise physically directly? Or is it the indirect effects of you're embarrassed, you don't leave the house, so now you're not getting any exercise, you're not getting any social interaction? Is that where a lot of more of the danger is? Well, I often get asked questions about whether Alzheimer's disease kills. And we know that people who have Alzheimer's disease at every point in their illness are at greater risk for death. Now, this doesn't happen just because of the plaques and tangles, but because We depend uh, on our brain for many things. You've described some of them. Our motivation, for example, get up and go and all of that sort of thing makes a big difference in our physical health. We know that. People should be active. Uh, But also it affects our ability to seek help. For example, if you have chest pain and you're not able to seek help, then you're going to die from a heart attack more likely than somebody who does seek help. If you forget the medication that you need to take for your diabetes, then you're going to have complications of diabetes and die from that earlier. Uh, Our brain also, in ways that we don't as much understand, are involved with basic daily function and maintaining uh, our physical Mm -hmm. uh, health so that um, people who have brain injuries, whether it's due to trauma or other things, die earlier than people who have good functioning brains. Let's talk about some potential cures or things on the horizon that excite you. I know that you keep very in touch with the research that's going on around the United States and the world. Is there hope on the horizon? There is hope. We know much more about Alzheimer's disease. And uh, I think uh, one of the, the important things to recognize is that Alzheimer's isn't simple. It's a complicated disease. There are two proteins that accumulate. They affect the brain in complex ways. They change the chemistry of the brain. So I think that um, it's unrealistic to expect that we're going to find a single drug or a penicillin that's going to cure the disease. It's much more similar to cancer. We're going to make gradual, progressive improvements, step by step, identifying uh, how this disease uh, develops and stopping it in its tracks. And of course, a lot of our efforts now are in trying to develop treatments that we would give early on the disease before there's so much damage to the brain. So we think that it's much more difficult after there is so much damage of the brain of correcting the problem. So early identification, early treatment is the way we're going. And there are many um, exciting possibilities. We know that this, these two proteins that accumulate in the brain do so when they get slightly off balance earlier in life. So these slight differences or the slight imbalance over a period of years becomes devastating to the brain. And if we can offset even a little way this imbalance, then we'll be a long way to brain health. In addition, 
we know that the brain is not static. Uh, the brain can change. The brain, we call this plastic. It, it responds to differences in the environment. And there's good evidence now that some older individuals have resistant brains to these effects. And uh, the resiliency is one of the things that we're trying to capitalize on, understand why some patients are so devastated by the same changes that can have less effect in others. It's time for us to give the best care to patients with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, they deserve the dignity and dignity of care. Have a question about a medical procedure? Want to learn more about a health condition? With over 2,000 interviews with our physicians and specialists, there's a pretty good chance you'll find what you want to know. Check it out at thescoperadio.com.